he was kind of messing with those. There's this like beat culture going on in Los Angeles, from what I understand, and they were all kind of. I have no idea. I'm just like I'm aware of like the uh, like what they were kind of doing in LA because there's like a. I've seen different interviews from people talking about it, but uh, they um, yeah, there was just like a culture of people using that that kind of machine and doing that stuff in Los Angeles and uh yeah show now show the show the machine again it's a 404 sx sx yeah yeah dude and you made everything on the on the album off that yeah yeah everything was made on here dude mostly just like going about it like kind of like let's see what happens or did you plan some stuff out uh kind of a little bit of both um during that time i was like working this like weird schedule where i would like i was just like at work from like 8 a.m to like midnight and so i would get off and come home and just like mess with it and do whatever and so it's just kind of like a like i don't even really remember what i did you know because it was just a lot of a couple months of just like working and during covid and being like oh shit am i gonna die like yeah <laughs> you know because it's working all the time might as well make so. these sick beats if i'm gonna die yeah yeah uh it wasn't even like am i gonna die i gotta make this music it was just like oh shit am i gonna die right now <laughs> um oh can we can we swear on here or was that not a i don't care okay. it's up to you i won't i just it just slipped yeah no, you're good but yeah so dustin took over not took over but dustin Joined the UNLV fam this year. Congrats, Dustin. Round of applause. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's a if good I had time. a soundboard, I'd press round of applause. But uh, yeah, Dustin joined UNLV fam this year. He's a under the PTI and part-time instructor doing some history rock stuff and learning how to play drums gooder, more gooder. So t- tell, tell everyone about your experience so far. I want to see if I get, if it relates to any of how my first couple months were there um i mean i spend a lot of time just in the practice room you know because of the whole covid thing um it does it is a lot of stuff to do though there's a lot of stuff to take care of during the day um in terms of like the pti stuff and then classwork and practicing and uh my own stuff that I'm working on. Um, I, at first going into it was a little weird though, because you don't really know anyone at all. Um, which would be less of a thing, I think with co without COVID, mm-hmm. but with COVID it's just very, um, odd. Just, it's odd for everyone. You know, it's even odd for the the people, the people that there. have been there for four years or five years or graduating or whatever. Um, and you also are going into a situation like it to, I bet it almost feels like un like not reality. Like it feels like you're stepping into an alternate kind of universe. Yeah. I mean, you, you walk into a situation and, because it's overnight everything changes you know what i'm saying like you knew this was leading up for months but overnight you wake up and everything's tan outside you're in the middle of the desert in the middle of the entertainment capital of the united states 
arguably the world. And uh, you, not only that, but then you're like, I'm actually in grad school right now. It's just, it's a strange feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. There is, um, there was a big switch, I guess, going from, I was working at a music store in Lafayette called CNM taking photos and like helping out with a reverb online store stuff. To practice, Dustin graduated from University of Louisiana, Lafayette in Lafayette, Louisiana. uh, Last December, December. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. With uh, Troy bro. Yeah. Troy bro. Um, But yeah, I was working at a music store during the day and then I'd bartend at night and um, so going from that and then trying to fit practice in between, like between shifts or at some odd time in the morning before my shifts would start. Um, so going from that life, like life, I guess, to this is very different. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, everything has slowed down a lot. Um, so that is not like there, it is a lot to do, but it is, uh, it's very different, which I do enjoy. You start to appreciate kind of, we talked about this, but we start to appreciate kind of like the grind of it, you know, like you yep. start to fall in love with the process of getting better, the process of grinding out pieces and techniques and different instruments that, you know, you didn't think needed, you, you needed to work on, but, um, you know, like there was things that kind of were presented to me and this is, anybody listening is thinking about going to grad school you kind of start thinking about this stuff more meticulously is that you start to think about you know am i actually am i actually good at shake rolls on the tambourine if i got hired to play tambourine would i crap my pants or would i do a good job and then you start to kind of uh in a sense (laughs) make it make it a point to get better at these like things that you're not very good at and that you wouldn't necessarily go spend 10 to 20, 30 minutes a day on. And now you're sitting there and you're like, your whole mindset's probably changed. Yeah, it has. Um, someone did tell me they was talking to someone about um, like tambourine and crash cymbals and stuff. And, uh, he was like, yeah, just like 10 minutes every day. He was like, just f- go and mess with it and like figure out how to get out the sound that you want or the sound that is required. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff is just messing with it on your own time. That's what I love about those kinds of instruments that we, that we play. Like if you look at kind of like the core of orchestral percussion, you think of excerpts, you think of, all that kind of stuff. But in reality, there's a thousand ways to play these instruments um, to get the sound that you want. That's what I kind of like about them is like, there's a certain way to play, to, to, to play certain things, but then, you know, you get to the tambourine or the crash, you get to crash cymbals in that sense. And you're like, wow, there's that, this guy over here for this symphony who plays them this way. And then there's this guy who plays them this way and they both sound really good. How am I going to, find my sound for those and it's like honestly it just takes a lot of exploration that's kind of a lot of what percussion is it's like just trying to find the right sound and 
you know, honestly, that kind of bleeds over into, I guess, your, your beat making and everything like that, too. It's like you understand the process of trying to find your sound. And there's a thousand ways, a million ways to find it, you know. Yeah, I really shoot from the hip on that stuff, though, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, that, that stuff is just like making the beats and whatnot. It's just like fun. For me, I don't think about it super hard. Because I, when I think about music super hard, I'm playing marimba or snare drum or right. tambourine or timpani. Um, you know, that's like free. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just kind of do whatever. Um, right. I do try to like follow a process, and then I think playing all those instruments definitely helps with that because you learn how to organize things. Yeah. Uh, and how to, I guess, arrange stuff. You know, from playing percussion and. Um, you know, the, I guess the role of percussion in ensembles um, kind of teaches you how to fit arrange music yeah. on a sampler or a computer or whatever other thing yeah. you choose to do. Well, it seems to be like kind of a recurring theme on the podcast lately is, you know, talking with Gene and Tim, like they were talking about, or in Caleb too, they were talking about, you know, just how do we get good at, at these, at these like softwares and stuff like that? And how do we make our own logic tracks? Like, it's all about just like kind of just going for it, going for it, messing around with it, exploring it. And which I don't really know how you got, because we know each other a lot of time to, to preface Dustin and I's friendship is we marched drum corps together and we were two of like this four or five age outs in the front ensemble and uh, Dustin played marimba. I played vibraphone and had a lot of fun on that tour. Um, so I've known you since about 2016, but I don't yeah. know when you started beat making. It's not, it hasn't been that long, has it? Uh, no, it's probably really only been, um, maybe a year and a half maybe two years okay yeah see i didn't um, do it that long i i have been friends with uh these guys uh myron saul and ben gidry who both make music on like software and are both uh really involved in hip-hop and rap and art ben is a big visual artist um myron is also a visual artist and a rapper and produces music as well. So does Ben. Um, and so through knowing them and like getting close to them, like I used to go to Myron's house all the time after school and he would just be doing that. And I would just kind of be there hanging out with him. And so from watching him is kind of how I got into it, I guess, or like in terms of like seeing someone be able to do it, like watching them like, okay, this is how you like the process of, doing this yeah um so uh i owe i owe i guess like getting into it to them um and then uh yeah from that really and then um my friend i like 
I had switched to performance actually from music ed to performance. And I was in like a beat making class kind of oh, wow. like not, not beat making, but it was like how to use a Reduction. DAW. It was like yeah. DAW basics or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so I think we used reason. And uh, so I was doing that and I was just kind of like messing around and we'd have to like play the projects for the class and I'd play my project or whatever. And people would be like, Oh yeah, it's really good. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I might, have something here like i might I have be able to... a little bit a little bit of some beat making yeah. in me yeah i might and i mean i just like it it's fun yeah um see i love right. hip-hop drumming in general and i've always loved hip-hop growing up so i mean i can remember vividly listening to kanye west's uh college dropout album and being kind of enamored by it um and from then on you kind of just hop into like this like how can i emulate that sound on a live drum yeah and you follow people like on instagram like one up drum vids or because he does all the jay dilla stuff all the jay dilla donuts donut beats and he just has like this gretsch 1960s chrome over brass that he just reefs have you seen him no i don't know who you're talking about actually <laughs> Okay, but I do know another like guy. Too. Okay, well, I know this. Uh, his name's AJ Hall. He's actually a really great drummer. Um, he, I think, I don't know where he's from. He might be from New Orleans, but I found out about him from being from New Orleans as well. And he plays with John Cleary, who is like a big like singer songwriter around New Orleans and everywhere actually. But he's based out of New Orleans, but. AJ Hall does a lot of hip hop stuff as well. A lot of production and he does that. He makes these like drum loops and yeah. he sells them out and they're, they're great. Um, I think I have a couple, he did like a free pack one time and I, I, I downloaded it, but uh, I haven't used it actually. Man, like those guys who can, who figured out how to emulate those sounds are. Yeah. Incredible. That's, that's very like, that's very tedious to try to figure that out to get it the right drum to get the right mic the right mix you know figure all that out it's crazy yeah i remember kind of thinking about that stuff like when i started playing drums in uh, high school in marching band um and like listening to hip-hop records and stuff and i was always like oh how is somebody doing this is this possible um and then you know you, you start seeing it and hearing about people doing it um is the new orleans hip-hop scene pretty is there a hip-hop scene yeah i mean i wasn't really involved in it ever um i know there's a big like a lot of like big rappers have come from there right um, Lil wayne and yeah currency is a yeah. favorite of mine all the jet life stuff uh growing up those were always cool tapes um there is a there's like a beat scene there too uh these guys they're called bag season records they're mm -hmm. based out of new orleans they uh they do a lot of cool stuff um and they actually have a like a school that they do it's called upbeat academy and they work with like kids and they you know show them how to make music on oh, a computer cool. and it's like an after school program it's actually really that up. that's um that's really cool yeah those so those guys are cool uh they're all great um we were supposed to do a show with them actually it's gonna be like 
my first set ever with him in Lafayette. I was going to open up and COVID-19 happened. And then the world was like, on fire. Yeah, the world was on fire. We had a bunch of shows actually planned, like going up to that. Um, and the, uh, yeah, the whole COVID-19 thing kind of shut that down. Um, uh, well, part of this, I guess like the preface, preface the whole show thing uh i got involved with this group called willingly rejected in louisiana it's like a arts collective of like a bunch of different mediums or disciplines of art Mm -hmm. uh, like visual artists and dancers and musicians and uh and so i got involved with them and that was kind of how I got to even like play shows like if I didn't know those people I would have never I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now probably um so I mean like in in a sense uh an art collective is kind of cool because like the first one I came across ever was the one in Vegas the one that is stems from UNLV, but it's it's a citywide thing. It's not just a UNLV one. Um, and playing Art Walk, the the Art Walk there was one of the coolest things ever because there was actually my first gig in Vegas ever. I don't think I've ever told the story. Uh, my first gig in Vegas ever. I was there for like two weeks, and we got hired. Some me, it was Jeff, Ian, and I got hired to play the a performance art gig and like um somebody made a, a table in the table frame within that ma- what made up the actual table was a piece of plastic similar to like a timpani head yeah. and it was loose so it was actually like a a big rectangular drum okay and so we were basically told to like come up with this rhythmic kind of story and then somebody visually acts it out and you know, it's all like just off the top, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, it was so interesting. I was like, this is my introduction to Vegas right here. Like it's, it was the, it was a strange gig. It really was. I'm, I mean, got paid for it and everything, but it was one of those things of like, like this this is something i've never ever experienced before but i guess we're gonna do it but um yeah it was it was strange like we had like we had like wooden legs and then we had like all these different kinds of implements that wanted to be used i forget the the premise of like the theme of the show it was right there in the uh, art gallery below the music building and um you should you should ask Tim about that, um, and Jeff because that was a uh, that was my introduction to Vegas. I'll ask him tomorrow. Yeah, the um, but you mentioned you mentioned and what you were saying you mentioned marching band, uh, and you're and you we've mentioned New Orleans. You're from New Orleans, and you're also you also went to the famed Brother Martin High School. Yeah, I am. I am a Brother Martin alumni. You're a Brother Martin alumni amongst. Um, Many other greats. Many I'm other not great. Greats. Other, they're they're great. Well, you will be the yeah, uh, the uh, did Stanton Moore go there? Yeah, yeah, Stanton. Okay, there. so 
if people don't know, uh, I've talked about Marty Hurley before with Jack Bounds on that episode. We we go into Marty a little bit, but um, Marty Hurley was a, an incredible and historical figure in the marching arts, especially in uh, within Phantom Regiment and also Brother Martin. Um, Marty wrote several books. He wrote a lot of numbered cadences that are very traditional drumline cadences that some of them involve, actually almost all of them involve mark, marching Glock, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a, we always had a, um, like a Glockenspiel line. We yeah. had a front ensemble. That is, if people don't know, that's like not common. But Brother Martin is a um, all boys Catholic school. And in the is it like in the heart of New Orleans? Like what side of town is it on? Uh it's in Gentilly or it's like right by Gentilly. Okay. Um, in toward the east. East side? Okay. The yeah. uh and Marty Marty was also at Phantom Regiment for a long time, taught Troy, Dustin's teacher, my teacher in drum corps, and Taught John Wooten, taught Jeff Prospery, taught Holly uh, Joe Gary. Much, yeah, yeah, all, Holly Joe Gary. And if you pretty pretty much if you had um, anything to do with Phantom Regiment during that time or anything to do with Louisiana during that time, you your or even up until now, your lineage probably lies in connection to Marty Hurley. I know mine does because of my teacher and because of Troy and. Uh, Jack does because Jack and Gunner both do because of because of Doc Wooten, and uh, actually Luke does the adjunct at UNLV because he was an SMU guy, Southern Miss. So uh, Marty passed away in 2011, right? Yes, 2011. So you were actually there during his last couple years. I think yeah. you were a sophomore when he passed, right, in 2011. Yes. Yes, it was a sophomore. sophomore. He was, was sick, right? That's what year. happened. He was he had cancer, right? Did you be a hundred percent honest with you? I do not exactly remember. It was so long ago. Yeah. I guess it wasn't really that long ago, but in my mind it's a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, so I, I really don't even remember. I should know that though. Um I guess the only person I could ask would be his wife. But mm. I'm not, not going to bring that up to her. I actually got to right. speak to her the other day. Oh, you um, did? Yeah, yeah. I, we we talk every couple months or so. Um, you were that she, you were that close with him? Yeah, he was really close with all of his students. Um, wow. And she she came to like concerts and stuff and football games all the time. So she kind of I mean knew us all by name and whatnot. Um, and then after he passed away i guess was when kind of like i developed a relationship with her through through the other guys that were there um mm -hmm. connor murphy who he was in the front ensemble with us played xylophone yes he was uh he's getting a conducting masters at unl right now i think oh wow um, good for him i haven't talked to him in a long time me either i shouldn't need to talk to him um mark elsenson who also went to brother martin um, and USM, and is a really great percussionist. Um, Jack was telling me about him. Yeah, yeah, he's really great. Um, 
another guy, Josh Olivier, he, I don't think plays music anymore. I don't really know. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but he, he really had a close relationship with her and through like being friends with him is kind of how I, I guess, got to know her a little bit more as well as James Nail, the Nail family. Yep. Um, Man, he really was close with everybody then. That's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I, mean, I remember being in like beginner band and stuff and guys would like come in from, I don't know, 10 years ago and he'd be like, oh, this is so-and-so and blah, blah, blah and have some story about the kid or, <laughs> you know, man now. He put out uh, some incredible students too. I mean, people who have gone on and, I mean, the names that I drop were, you know, Jeff Prosper, who is currently a Hellcat with the U.S. Army and um, Troy, who's a professor, John Wooten, who's a professor and a one of the all-time great rudimental players. So, um, and honestly, I mean, the the fact Wayne that Moreau. Say again. Wayne Moreau. Wayne Moreau is just another uh, really great player that went to Brother Martin High School. Um, he's a drummer in New Orleans now. Um, Say yeah. Wayne Moreau, you said? Moreau. Moreau, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, cool. And then not to mention the uh, the great Stanton Moore himself, right? I mean, some incredible people that have come out of that program. So, yeah. Uh, how does how does that feel to be a part of that that kind of like web of incredible people? Let's take a quick second to pause the episode to talk about how you can support the podcast even further. Thank you for listening for one thing, but another thing is how you can support is a monthly subscription to the podcast. It's just 99 cents a month. It goes directly to me and I can use that money to buy more equipment, video equipment, recording equipment, and it goes directly back into the podcast. So if you could click that support link in the description below, I would greatly appreciate it. Back to the episode. I don't, I guess really ever, it doesn't really cross my mind like that. Right. all the time i mean i i'm aware of it obviously but uh i mean now that you mention it like that it's it's pretty crazy to be a part of that um um there's a lot of i mean there's other great guys too that are like young guys that are doing stuff um justin green who went to lsu and got his master's at alabama uh he teaches and composes um guy matt keegan i haven't spoken to him in a very he was a couple years older than me but i know he's at southern miss right now getting his masters um plays he plays a lot of drum set and stuff um but he's another real great player and educator he has like a like a web series of like drum grooves and stuff oh wow. pretty pretty helpful um but it, it is, it's cool. It's cool to be a part of like a very diverse lineage of, of people like that. Um, you know, Which I people... didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it until, and probably until my second, second year at McNeese when people were talking about it and Lonnie was talking about it. And, you know, then to meet all those, a lot of people who were from there uh, during drum corps and to meet people that were, you know, either went there or were affiliated with people who went there. It was like, man, that is such like a cool, um, it's such like a cool, like, I guess I thought that being part of the UNLV lineage was cool, but like something like that at the high school level is kind of rare 
and um, in that sense. And I was actually telling Stanton Moore at PASIC, I was like, I think more people, you know, need to know about Marty. I know a lot of people know about him, but I think more people need to, to definitely acknowledge him. And um, he goes, yeah, man. And he actually acknowledged him in his clinic. He was actually the clinic to finish out PASIC. Oh, nice. And he talked about Marty for about 10 minutes or so out of his clinic, which is pretty good chunk of time. Um, that was super cool to watch. So that just goes to show you what kind of effect that educators can, can have at that level. And I think Gunnar and I talked about that a little bit. He was just, I wish I could have got to meet him is what I'm saying. He was seemed like a incredible, like that's something that as an, as educators like should strive for, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's something I battled with a lot in school, I guess, like mentally it was like, okay, I've had this like really great teacher and I want to teach music, but I've already, you know, you, like when you get like the best of the best, I guess you kind of like, um, you get a taste of it. So you know, like what is possible. Right. And then, so you kind of strive for that standard a bit. Um, like I, I got a lot of like work ethic, I guess, from like studying with him and, Cause I was young. I only studied with him like two, two and a half years. Right. Um, you know, I was like, you know, 16, 17. Um, but I, I just remember learning like a lot of like, that was one of the first people that really pushed me and like held me responsible for things. Um, Which laid the groundwork for where you are now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the first people that like really, you know, like believed in me and pushed me too. So yeah uh i do owe a lot to that program and that that's him yeah him you uh yeah when when you were when we were talking about you going to unlv i uh i knew they were getting someone with a good foundation because that program the reputation it holds and the reputation that um you know everybody that comes from their holes is something that I knew would be good for, for, to continue your studying. You know, I know it's, it's interesting cause like we talked about your reality changing overnight and uh, I can relate a hundred percent because mine, mine changed overnight. You know, I knew for months that this thing was happening and then you wake up the next morning after it happens, you're like, Oh my God, it's real. Like, it seems like a pipe dream. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. And then you, wake up one morning you're like i'm 1400 miles away from everybody i know you know i'm <laughs> i'm in a totally completely different world but um to i guess kind of you know you have this foundation now from from brother martin you go to ul you do drum corps for i get what is it three years i think two, two, years. two years two years i met you the second year 2016 um you get your performance degree from UL and you're now at UNLV and enjoying all that in, entails with Las Vegas. And so let's talk about like, let's talk about the album now, because I had no idea you were making an album and we talk a lot. Yeah. But, but I also know you make beats a lot. So album is just straight up, just stuff you just, been working on for the last however long um yeah it, 
Um, it's a lot of stuff that I made in Louisiana, like before I left. Actually, I think all of it is. I think every oh. every single thing on there is something I made before I got here, and I just uh, I, like mixed it all here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it all there. Where are you dropping so, it? Are you, what are you dropping it on SoundCloud or SoundCloud and uh, Bandcamp? Okay, yeah, and yeah. The how how long is it? Is it like ten? I want to say it's like twelve tracks. I think it's like maybe thirty minutes. I wouldn't go. even call it an album. It's a tape. It's a tape. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. At least you can say you got tapes now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, start the start to get into the Las Vegas hip hop scene. I actually so I when I got here, I actually was like on Instagram and stuff, like trying to find like if they had like a club that did that or like maybe when stuff back opens back up. If they had a culture of like dudes messing with drum machines and stuff, and they do um, this place called the Rabbit Hole, I think. Okay, I've never heard of it. Venue, uh, they apparently do like you know DJ producer night stuff. Um, There you go. And I've just like found a few different people over, um, really over Instagram, man. Um, Incredible tool. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so I, I, I'll probably kind of like try to get involved in that over the summer, just because I don't have. I really, you know, I'm working. I work for UNLV technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that stuff's got to come first. Um, so I try to take care of all of that right now and. Um, so hopefully this summer I'll be able to kind of get involved with that locally a bit. Um, when you, when you make, when you make something like that, are you like, are all your samples set the, in places that you know that where there are, or, and, and when you make something, you know, like, do you have to change anything when you make something new? Or are you gonna basing your your stuff off the same bank of sounds? And are they I just don't know how the machine works is what I'm saying. Um I'll do like a little bit of everything. So I will just like chop up something or I'll play something on like a keyboard and then chop it up like I'll like you know, sample myself, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, can you chop it up on there yeah yeah that's what you do on here yeah everything okay, okay, is done okay. on here um so you can just assign so there's like 12 different pads on here with uh 10 banks 12 12 banks 12 different okay. banks of 12 pads so you can assign you know whatever to those pads um so I'll usually record in like a couple minutes of something or, you know, like a loop of something I've come up with on the piano or something. And then I'll uh, cut it up or maybe just use it as is. That's so cool. Because <laughs> um, it has a mic on there and everything, right? It does have a little built-in mic. I haven't I, – I have like a plug-in mic that I'll use to okay. like record like drum sounds or something with it uh, because this little mic kind of isn't great for stuff. Yeah. But it's not, it gets the job done, too. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of like an all-in-one DAW, I guess. I hand, yeah, like a hands-on DAW. Yeah, like a very limited DAW. 
Yeah. I guess is what you could kind of compare it to. Um, but you know, there's like weird, like you have to like time everything properly. Like when you're making a loop and stuff. So that, that becomes kind of tedious eventually. Uh, I'd say like, honestly, 60, 70% of the time that I use this thing is spent like trying to make things loop the way I want them to. Yeah. Um, and then like, you have to do what's called resampling. So you can have like, I'll do like a kick pattern on pad number one and then like a hi-hat or a melody or on pad two. And so you have to resample both of those to the other pad. And then you're just kind of like layering things over and over and over again. Right. Um, and it helps, like I use like a stopwatch sometimes. So like I'll know oh, okay. like if I'm going to resample like a, and make the whole track or whatever, um, you know, it'll be like, okay, 30 seconds of the of low pass filter and then take that off and, turn on reverb or something and you know then add in the melody line or uh so it it's fun it gets it's it's really just how you do it i feel like everybody that does it has like a system for it um seems tedious it it does get tedious but i just don't you know you don't really think about it like that yeah if you're trying to create Uh, something at that level you're kind of just trying to trying to do it as I guess, close to what you're thinking as possible. You know, you're trying to get what's in your mind on, on the machine, you know? Yeah. And then this thing is so like finicky and stuff that you kind of come up, come out with like what you want, but different. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have a problem where I'll like be making something and then I'll like, it'll change and I'll, I'll start working on something completely different and not, and then I have to go back and finish the other thing later because I've started going off on like a tangent yeah. <laughs> with, with this other thing. Um, it's like me when I practice drum set. I'm like, yeah. I like run into something like, dude, I'm, I told myself I wouldn't do this, but now I'm doing it. So now we're down this rabbit hole and I can't get out. <laughs> I, I do that with marimba. I have to, I have to practice marimba last because if I go practice marimba first, I'll just play marimba for four hours. Yep. I won't do anything else. Too pretty. And you want to get too good at it, and you're like, "Oh my god, what do I do with this skill?" I've been playing a lot. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of vibraphone lately. So that was, I, I play it at school while, um, you know, I when I teach part time, I'll stay either I'll go either go earlier or stay at you know later and play some vibraphone, getting ready to make some videos, and I'm just like sitting there, you know, messing around, coming up with melodies, and like I'm like, all right, I need to get back to business here, but. Um, yeah, I like I like the that. video thing that that's been happening a lot. Yeah, on me too. The in- Instagram of, and YouTube. Yeah, there's a lot of good content coming out, and I think Gunner's working on stuff. I know Gunner's that. Gunner's working on stuff. Jack's working on stuff. Uh, Gene Marcus is doing stuff. stuff. Marcus is doing stuff. Our uh, our our my roommate, your ex roommate, my ex roommate of four years, and five years. Two degrees. Two. We do got them degrees. You're gonna get one too, or another one too. Yeah, no, I I got some ideas, and I need to upload all these video conversations from the podcast and get that YouTube happening. That's the next step. Um, what's the next step for you, buddy? What do you think? You try after school? I mean, oh, that's a Man, that's the no million idea. dollar question, right? That is the million dollar question. 
Um, I really do not know at all. I, if I were you, I would be like, I'm not answering that until the world's not on fire. And we, yeah, that's vaccine. another thing. It's like, I'm, yeah, the world is on fire. So I'm like, okay, like, what am I? I actually, I talked to Jeff Taylor about this one day. I was like, you know, I don't really know, you know, what's going on. I was like, <laughs> what I'm doing here. And he was like, yeah, but you know, you're like in a great position right now, especially for the current state of the world. He's like, you have, you have a job, you have like guaranteed income, you know, yes, like you can yeah. definitely without a doubt, pay your bills and pay your little bit of tuition you have to pay off. Yep. Um, he's very and right. And so he was like, you know, you just do that and practice and grade and, and study. And he's like, you know, like the COVID thing gives you time to just practice. Man, um, I'm so jealous of that. There was so, so much that I did that was in the way of, of all that, you know? So like your situation is something I'll, when I told you, I was like, look, you just need to take this time, like just grind it out in the practice room. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been grinding it out in the practice room for sure. I, uh, gotten a lot better at marimba. Uh, Good, man. I feel like an actual performer now sometimes when I play, I'm like, Oh, I, I felt, can like, I, felt I can same, play now. Right? <laughs> kind of. I've definitely felt the same. Dean brings it out of you. I don't know how, but it does, man. I, you know, honestly, magic, the culture there brings it out in you too. It's, they look at performing as like, uh, is like something that needs to be practiced as well. You know, it does with your lesson being in the midst of everyone walking around. Well, and I like that though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it prepares you for what could happen while you're playing a piece or, what have you so that was always something that i appreciated i didn't know how because i already knew that that was going to happen going in because of marcus but um i was like man i don't know how i feel about that but i ended up really enjoying that part of it It, like kind of being thrown into a situation where you're like man i kind of don't know kind of don't know what this lesson is going to be like as far as like who's going to be in there what's been what's going to be going on but uh, it definitely made me a better performer. That is 100% true. And you're already yeah. getting a taste of that. Yeah, it, it, it is. It does do that for you. Uh, and Dean and I have kind of talked about that. He was like, you know, that's why we, we do it like that here. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you kind of get a chance to perform. Yeah. You're, um, we were kind of talking about that in Tim's class one day. And, uh, the way I think of it is like kind of like desensitizing, but like desensitizing isn't like the choice word for it. I feel like there's probably a better word that exists for like what you're doing when you're like performing frequently. That's, that's tough to label it. Um, yeah. I feel like desensitizing tough... kind of, you know, like degrades it a little bit. Yeah. I, I would, I would say it's more along the lines of maybe a, not awareness, it could be awareness. I, I don't know. It's more of like being more present in the moment, like, and, and but then that out of body experience happens. Dean talks about it all the time when he would perform in the nineties, marimba tours and stuff like that. He would have like this sense of, I know what's going, it's almost like a lucid dream. And it brings out, it brings out like this kind of out of body experience and like this touch of uh it's like ding it's like dangling on the edge of reality versus 
like this incredible experience. So um, I could only imagine what Dean was like playing all, all of those tours for Yamaha and everything and playing these hour long recitals of just his music and him talking yes. about like self one versus self two. Has he talked about that with you? Yeah. Yeah. We have gotten, gotten onto that mm-hmm. a bit. Um, it's just, you know, you, you, with him saying that you're, you're like, man, maybe myself one does get in the way of myself too kind of thing. It does. And since I've gotten here, I've definitely gotten better at like dealing with it because I'm now aware of it. Right. And like, I have a name for it and stuff now. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to Dean. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm very lucky in that I've been able to like, kind of block it out a bit um and so like i'll be playing and i'll feel it and dean dean has said this to me like he's seen it happen like yeah like i thought you were gonna like you know crumble crumble like bail and you did not bail you just like force it back in and i I, like starting out there than i did then because i often would crumble to be honest with you Dude, I don't know how. I just like forced it out. Like I just <laughs> there's like a weird split moment and I'm like, "No, nah, we're not doing that." Yeah, we're not doing. Yeah. You have to almost like forget about people watching you and forget about what's happening around you, which is why that situation prepares you for for that like practicing that um kind of like anything could happen. Yeah, was, we were talking about a uh, Libertango Dean and I one day and he was like, "You just got to spank it out." And I was like, "You, you really do." Like that's yeah. really what like I think about when I go to perform, um, sorry, uh, is I'm just going to play. Like I've done the work, like I've done the work, obviously, or I wouldn't be here at this university. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to do the work. So I'm just going to have fun and go for it. Yeah. Uh, is usually how I think about performing. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it, it was definitely more fun for me when I had that, that more that kind of allowing myself to have that freedom. It became something of like I can't wait to perform, instead of like I'm, don't want to perform because I'm no I'm gonna get nervous. But it like in and then, that was kind of like the performance anxiety that I pushed through, during my time there, and by the end of it you know, up until my recital got canceled, I was like, I was excited to play it because it was, I was excited to finally be at a point of that kind of carefree, not carefree, but like that feeling of being carefree as I played that performance. Um, so, you know, I'm glad you're experiencing that because I, and I hope a lot of people, people who are listening experience that kind of, um, preparedness and that comfortability while performing because it's it's a whole other world like it's it changes your mindset completely almost yeah it does it definitely does i mean my mindset has been completely changed since i got here and you've only been there Um, a couple months too yeah i mean this is my first semester so yeah it'll be cool to see what happens at the end of it all um But no, I mean, being here, like when I was in Louisiana, like in the middle of getting my undergrad degree, I at a certain point decided that I did not want to teach. I was just like, I don't think this is for me. 
Um, but now that I'm like in a different place, uh, I, there's just like a lot of, like when I was going through the program at UL, I remember I had a specific class and they would bring in like band directors and we would like talk to them. And I just asked them one day, I was like, you know, like how often do you get to play your instrument? And like, how often do you like still like write, you know, do you compose music? Uh, like, do you like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't do that anymore, man. The band band comes first. And I was like, and they, they said it in like kind of a condescending way to me. And so it just rubbed me super wrong. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Like yeah, I quit. That could, that could enrage people like it i don't know it depends it, i went to school with people who knew going in they wanted to be a band director so that was fine with them but i knew for a fact that I, i'm like i'm not going to put in all this work in the practice room to practice just as much as a performance major you know because i stuck with the education route but to practice just as much as a performance major and perform just as much to not do that in the professional world is something that i just couldn't i couldn't baffle like i could not not baffled. I couldn't comprehend. I was baffled. Yeah. You know. I couldn't fathom not playing. Yes, fathom. That's the word. Um, and so that just rubbed me super wrong and I switched. And then as I kind of like was finishing there and like meeting people who were educators um, and then coming here and meeting, you know, different educators and stuff and seeing that it's okay, that's not what this is. is. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's a crock. Like the guy who said that, like, that's not true. You just don't care that much about yeah. music. Um, so, and I think did a lot of, there's like a lot of, I don't know, maybe if this is like a, a problem that they have where you're from, but in Louisiana, I feel like a lot of times they get like educators just get like worn down. And they just become like, uh, like complacent and not to like their own fault, but it is kind of your own fault if you become complacent, like, because Louisiana is kind of disorganized with education, especially in music. Um, oh yeah. And so I, it's just, you're fighting like an uphill battle there, I feel like. And so that, I guess, wears people down to, you know, they're doing music during the day teaching and then they're like, oh, well, like I don't, I don't even want to think about that when I got home. You know, my mm -hmm. day was so bad fighting with administration and, you know, kids who don't want to do anything or um, parents, or not, they don't not want to do anything. They're not motivated. You know, they haven't been motivated to participate in class or. Um, yeah, and then you're dealing with parents. And so it's just like all these external factors that I was like, oh, this sounds insane. <laughs> it's not what I got into. This is not what got me, you know, into this. Um, yeah, I mean, sticking with the core of it is something that um, you can sticking sticking with like the core of like the reason we got all, all got into this. Whatever moment that was, way early on is kind of tough, you know, uh, when you get into that kind of position. I saw that when I was student teaching, you know. Uh, and I was student taught under a guy that cared a lot and he was still made time for, for his horn. So I was very fortunate in that aspect to have a, to have a 
mentor teacher who still cared about his own playing. So um, shout out Mickey Smith. Miss you. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I can understand why that turns people away. And it honestly, it turned me away. I still got the education degree. I, I finished it out, but um, I went straight into a master's of performance and my DMA, if I do one, will be in performance. It's not like it's going to be in education. So um, it's just one of those things, man, of like stay, sticking with the, the reason why, like it's very easy to go astray in your mindset. And I feel like the only way to stay, stay in that mindset is to be rem- reminded of why you got there in the first place almost every day, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I had, you know, a teacher like Marty earlier on yeah. who, I mean, he, I, like he definitely worked with the band and was a great musician as well, but he taught a lot of percussion. His job was definitely like heavily percussion oriented. Mm-hmm. So I can look back and be like, okay, this job definitely exists somewhere. Like mm-hmm. there's a percussion job somewhere out there in the world that I can like get get to they were in texas somehow yeah they were next door in texas yeah, the next door left <laughs> um and so once i kind of like realized that it's when i kind of like opened back up to the idea of like okay i do i do want to teach um and you know uh maybe get a dma maybe, maybe. we're gonna get we'll this see. one first and see yeah. uh, talk to me talk to me in your fourth semester yeah, yeah, yeah. Because somebody was talking to me about it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, it'd be cool to do it and be called Doctor Smith." Yeah, that'd be the cool part too. But you know, <laughs> to teach at that level and to like help help bridge the gap from like high school to college to like professional level. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a big part of people's lives. Yeah. When you're teaching in general, you know, at any level, um, but. I feel like especially for us, like with percussion, like college is where a lot of uh, girls and guys get turned on to like what they're going to pursue in a career um, or what their like thing is going to be in percussion. Um, Their contribution, you know? Yeah. 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 What their contribution will be. And so I I feel like that, that's something, I mean, I've only been here a few months, but I feel like that's probably something that they do very well here. Um, very much so. A lot of, a lot of professors, current professors in, in our world are UNLV guys and they're Kentucky guys and they're, you know, North Texas guys and all these places yeah. that have viable alumni networks and viable programs. So it's, you're, we'll figure it out (laughs) like once the world's not on fire and there's a vaccine out and the economy's back and but you know it's uh one of those things of we're a part of a really cool family i think in unlv there's a there was something that i started to take great pride in when i was there and i'm glad you're there man it's really it's really cool to see you there yeah, I wish I wish I could get a frame of reference for everything though, like for the like alumni and I guess like the heritage of the program. Yeah. But with the COVID stuff, it's it's kind of everything is like on pause and weird. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, it's looking like there's not going to be ensembles possibly into my third semester. Wow. So that kind of, but I mean, I, I get it, you know, they want to do what's best for like students and, and for their, you know, community of Las Vegas. Uh, so yeah, I, I get it, you know, yeah, I get it. Too. understand, but it's, Oh man, I was kind of looking forward to playing in like, you know, wind band and orchestra again and uh, working on those parts, but I am also kind of glad I don't have to work on those parts. <laughs> this is, you still use this time to develop your individuality, your individual yeah. musicality and everything. So, but uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I'm 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 very honored to uh, get to be a part of it. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of really great great guys on here and girls. Um, yeah, man. And appreciate so. It. Yeah, I'm super, super honored to that you even asked me to be on it. Of course, we man. We were talking about it before. I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about, dude. <laughs> People, we find a way. Dean said the same thing. Don't worry about it. I need to call him. I'll call him soon. But yeah, um, you can find... Dean's the first one I listened to. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first one I listened to. Like, maybe not the first one. It definitely wasn't the first one, but like that was my my in initiation into like what UNLV was going to be yeah, and like yeah. finding out who Dean was because like, I really kind of just showed up, you know, to be honest with the whole COVID thing. It like, it kind of smacked me right in the face. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to UNLV now. You got your crash course. Yeah. So <laughs> that was cool to get to listen to that and kind of uh, get an understanding, I guess, of like the history of the program, at least yeah. if nothing else. So now you're making it. Now you're making it happen, man. Yep, we're here. The uh, you can follow Dustin on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I for, I'll I'll put a link to your name uh, to your stuff in the description below. Um, you can get his tape on SoundCloud and Bandcamp under the name Dose, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, underscore or all lowercase dos yeah and um i think that's what it is yep that's what it is okay. that's what it is and then you can follow me at hartwell drums on all social platforms you can go to my website www.hartwelldrums.com for all your i guess interest in me i don't know it's a cool website i'm proud of it the um you can follow and subscribe to and listen to the rudimental podcast on all major streaming platforms and you can also find us on youtube.com slash hartwell drums so yeah that's it for this one we'll see you next time sweet thanks for having me josh <laughs>